previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. Mr. Andy Poland. Oh, Andy! Of, of somewhere on the AM radio <laughs> dial. <laughs> is that where he is now? Somewhere buried <laughs> on the AM dial. Uh, Andy writes, Arch, my wife told me to stop acting like a flamingo. He acts, he's acting like a flamingo? Apparently so. Well. Arch, what should I do? Andy, put your foot down. <laughs> At the movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz begins when? Now. Now. Oh, it's on. It's on. Oh, my goodness. Here we are. Here we are. Who are you? Uh, my name is Lou Katz, uh, uh, former unlegendary Washington, D.C. radio voice. Legendary yeah. Washington, D.C. radio <laughs> voice. That's what you are, Lou. Yeah, you need right. to claim the legend Claim status. the fame, right. And we <laughs> want to welcome you, of course, to another chapter of the pathetic end <laughs> Of a mediocre career, you, we can't be talking about you, not Mr. Entertainment, Arch Campbell. Thank you, thank you, yes, it's the pathetic end of a mediocre career. I steal that line from Willard Scott and Ed Walker, who used it for years, and so uh, here we are. And uh, this weekend, there's a new movie called Zombieland Double Tap. Do you remember the original Zombieland? Barely, I do. One of those outrageous comedies where they take the idea of the zombie apocalypse and just turn it on its head. And the thing about the original was that Bill Murray showed up and turned into a zombie and was totally blown apart. So now it's, I guess it's been four or five years later, they're uh, they're coming up with a, se- a, a, a sequel, mm-hmm. Double Tap. Mm-hmm. You see, because the double tap, you have to shoot the zombies twice now oh, because I see. they've Got mutated. It. All right. And it's the same uh, ensemble. It's Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, remember her, mm-hmm. Little Miss Sunshine, and Emma Stone. And uh, the zombies still rule, but the foursomes endure. Uh, for a while, they live in the White House, which has been taken over by zombies. And then... Uh, I'm not going to go there. Abigail Breslin decides she wants to look for somebody her own age, so she goes on the road, and they follow her to Graceland. <laughs> and the big thing about the uh, the sequel is, how are they going to get Bill Murray in it? Because they killed him in the first... Oh, he died off. Okay. (laughs) And uh, they find a way. And it's very hilarious. I mean, it's... Uh, this is not the greatest movie ever made. This is this is like a two-bark, two-star right. comedy. But there's some very, very funny bits. And uh, they do find a way to bring uh, Bill Murray back. There's also an actress named Zoe Deutsch who plays a valley girl uh-huh. who's been living in a freezer in the mall. <laughs> Did the original Zombieland make any money at the box office? I, you know, know, I think it was just one of those movies. It was just a goof. Right. And this is just another goof. And uh, and what can you say? I bet you can say there's another movie you want to talk about. Now, also opening this weekend is Maleficent 2, Mistress of Evil, with uh, Angelina Jolie and Elle Fanning. And, you know, that's that's a sequel to a movie made in 2014, Maleficent is kind of a cross between Snow White's Evil Queen and the people in Wicked 
And uh, it's it's a sequel to a sort of a so-so original. Angelina hasn't had a big movie in a while, has she, Arch? Yeah, has and, you know, this one will be... This is just another one of those Disney uh, grabs for... Uh, extend their material and it's the american way making money i guess so netflix is having a great year el camino the breaking bad movie opened this week with aaron paul in the story of what happened to jesse after he escapes at the end of breaking bad and uh, i watched it and loved it it's just another sign that Netflix is ruling. Yeah, Netflix is on a roll. Are you watching Between Two Ferns? Oh, with Zach Galifianakis. You Have know, you I've watched, watched I've watched segments? his features. You know, but and then of course I heard the movie coming out, <laughs> and uh, I saw the trailer for it over the weekend. I watched the movie. Is actually. it is it as goofy as the features? It's yes, yes. It's it's an extended version of the features. You know, he's in the little uh, cable channel, and and he gets a chance to get a national. show show oh. and they go on a road trip and, and Will, Will Ferrell's ensues. actually makes appearances in this one yes right? he does comedy ensues it's not the greatest or funniest thing I've ever seen but it is funny enough and it's just another example like Camino El Camino of of a movie presented as streaming mm-hmm. you know you don't have to go to the theater to see these things right. they're on Netflix and God bless him. What else are you thinking about now, Arch? Hey, this weekend, the Joker uh, won the box office hugely. They also uh, did a parody of it on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> so it must be making uh, some kind of an impact. The Joker is handily outperforming uh, the other new stuff, the Adams Family remake and uh, Will Smith and a remake of Jim and I, man, there's just, there's just not much Did, to didn't con- Warner brothers. Like they were certain, like certainly not sure exactly how well the Joker was going to do. Right. I mean, yeah, they were sort of like on, on the fence as to whether this was going to be a huge hit or not. It's a dark movie. And, uh, you know, there's so much darkness at this time, but, but it's also that superhero movie and it's that kind of movie that does well and is knocking everything out. And I think, that's one of the changes we're seeing and that people are complaining about, that the Marvel comic books, the DC comics, those are the things people are seeing and they're kind of pushing everything else out. But they are pushing them to Netflix. Frankly, uh, El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, is about as good as anything I've ever watched. Now, I must be the only person, Arch, on the planet who's never gotten into bro- Breaking Bad if I watched El Camino, would it mean anything to me at all, or, or do I really need to start from scratch? And I think it means a lot more if you know the whole series. They they do start with like a five-minute recap of Breaking Bad. Uh, just think, they did in five minutes what took me <laughs> 40 hours to watch. And that helps, but uh, I think I think uh, frankly you need to be right. a a good fan of the series. Well, Arch, it appears our phone is actually ringing now. On that note, let's bring in one of my our favorite movie buff, the chief entertainment correspondent for WTOP Radio. Let's yeah. welcome him now. Here he is. You know him. You love him. Jason Fraley. And Jason, I understand this is your birthday week. And happy birthday to you. Yeah, we are speaking on my birthday. Thanks so much, guys. The big the big three five. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> We're just talking a minute ago about the success of Joker, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that because everybody's saying, 
what a great performance it is. And then the critics are saying, yeah, but the movie is so dark. I, What does uh, Joker's continuing success say about us and the movies at this time? Yeah, I mean, talk about a polarizing movie. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like the reaction has swung back and forth so much, even before the movie even came out. You know, it, it, it won um, over at the Venice Film Festival, wins the Golden Lion, which you wouldn't think of a superhero origin story doing that. Right. And, but then it gets, gets a little bit of a you know, media backlash over, is it going to incite violence? Like, re- we remember the horrific Aurora shooting, uh, like Dark Knight Rises, with the guy as the Joker. Um, and then critics started, you know, even our, even our friend Ann Hornaday didn't like it. Um, and, you know, some, so critics started getting some backlash. Um, so I, all this goes down. <laughs> I'm reading all this. And then I finally go to see it. And I actually thought it was really, really well made, but also, to your point, can understand if you walk out hating it. It's one of those where I really, you know, it's so, so dark that if if, if you're going in expecting, you know, a Marvel superhero movie, you're going to be way turned off. But I didn't go in expecting that. I went in from the trailers thinking it was going to be, you know, like a taxi driver or the king of comedy, which it really, really references. We even have De Niro flipping his role. He's the Jerry Lewis, and he, you know, he, and... uh <laughs> He's Rupert Pumpkin, not... Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is almost the Rupert Pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, man, talk about a performance. Um, I, I'm i totally fine if, if Joaquin Phoenix gets nominated. Um, he's, he's never won, and, you know, despite his bizarre, you know, off-screen antics and hoaxes and all that stuff, he's a great actor. Would you put money on him to win the Oscar right now? I think he's the leading candidate right now. I mean, I know we, there's a lot of other movies we're, we're going to see, but I, I would think... I think why not? You know, it looks to me like it's going to be Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers versus Joaquin Phoenix as the devil incarnate. <laughs> it's like lightness and dark. <laughs> yeah, well, we see Mr. Rogers out of Middleburg this weekend, so we don't know yet. But I've actually heard that Tom Hanks, they might be angling him as a supporting actor in that movie. And Matthew Reese takes the lead as like the journalist that's interviewing him. So, but in terms of Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, the performance goes way deeper. I mean, I think he rivals Heath Ledger in terms of that uh, dark, complex performance. And I think um, I like that they, what I appreciated was that they treated his uncontrollable laughter as almost um, like a Tourette's, like a mental condition. And they played it, they played it sort of straight. I mean, he's, there's moments in that movie where he's laughing, but, but trying to cover his mouth and crying while he's laughing because he, you know, he, it's this uncontrollable thing that he, you know, that he's experiencing. And he also lost what, like 52 pounds for the movie. Yeah. Like, you can actually see his rib cage protruding in there. Yikes. Academy usually honors those physical transformations, but I also thought it was a really, really great performance, but again, very, very dark. It's one of those that's sort of hard to recommend to just people on the street. You, you almost have to say you're watching a guy turn into a, sinister villain you know it's not gonna be a happy ending but if you can go in with that mindset i thought it was well done i want to mention one thing that kind of struck me and that is last week will smith opened in the remake of gemini man and of course when i when i heard he was remaking gemini man i thought you know why but he did it anyway and there was a time when a will smith movie was guaranteed to be number one at the box office and this one just kind of went out there and, you know, flopped uh, seconds behind the Joker, which continues to dominate things. And I'm feeling a lot of change in uh, the movie business. And you got any thoughts on Will Smith or 
Gemini Man. I do think he's he's a talented actor, and in this movie, uh, we'll, we'll remind listeners he's he's playing a, a retiring hitman who ultimately has to face off against a younger clone of himself. So they do this digitally. Isn't that based on the? Remember those Robert Ludlum? Well, actually, I, I remember when Robert Ludlum uh, wrote all of these books, and uh, you know everybody devoured them. And I think Gemini Man was one of those, and. It's 1980s material. Yeah, I think this one actually got stuck in, like, development hell for, like, 20-some years, and they had a bunch of different actors and directors that were going to do it. And you can kind of – you can almost kind of see that in some elements in the movie. But to me, I mean, Will Smith, when he's playing himself as the older retiring uh, hitman, I actually think it's a pretty darn good performance, and he's sort of entering a new phase of his career. But the parts where he plays the digitally de-aged younger version of himself – I don't think the technology is all the way there. It actually kind of looked video gamey to me, and his mouth kind of moved awkwardly. He looks like the Fresh Prince that we saw when he was young, but he doesn't really have that same light behind the eyes. It's sort of like a soulless carbon copy of him, which I guess is the point because he's playing a clone of himself. But um, Ang Lee, uh, he shot this thing. You know, he, he's really liking these rapid frames per second thing. You know, he, he, it, he it's supposed to be to be seen in 4K at 120 frames per second. Usually it's 24 frames per second. So it's a lot more images hitting us all at once. And if, if a lot of theaters uh, don't have the capability to show that yet, so a lot of us aren't even watching like what Gemini Man was meant to be. And, you know, this seems to be uh, another turning point for Netflix, particularly because of the uh, Breaking Bad movie, El Camino with Aaron Paul, which I watched and I know you watched. And thoroughly enjoyed. You know, I sat down and watched it. And, you know, I wasn't expecting a bunch of twists that undercut the the canon because, you know, that would have been that would have been kind of annoying. Let Breaking Bad be what it was. And this was I was expecting like a nice little epilogue for Jesse. And, you know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty solidly done. I, you know, I was glad I watched it. And I got I but I started getting some feedback some from family and friends. My parents thought they were huge Breaking Bad fans and they said they were thoroughly underwhelmed. So. I don't know. I've I've heard a lot of mixed reaction on this. I loved it. I loved it. Gina and I sat down and rewatched the entire Breaking Bad series from start to finish. That's what you do when you're old people and have been married a long time. That's what you have to look forward to. You sit there and binge a series. But we we watched uh, Breaking Bad from start to finish. And uh, to me, this just had the same resonance and rhythms of uh, of the original series. And, you know, I'm glad to know uh, what happened to him. This also brings up uh, Frederick Forster, who has that great bit at the end where he's the guy who, uh, who gets uh, Jesse out of the country. And uh, uh, Forster just passed away. What a great actor he was. Oh, yeah, he played, uh, Forster played, uh, he's sort of like the cleaner, the yeah, the fixer. He is the cleaner, literally. It's kind of fitting that after all these years of Jackie Brown and all those roles that he, you know, his final act is, is uh, on screen is ushering Jesse Pinkman, uh, you know, off, <laughs> off to freedom. I was fine with with Aaron Paul like, getting to see what. To your point, I want. I was curious what happened to Jesse after it was over, and you know, remember he 
he was originally supposed to be killed off at the end of season one, but Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston had such good chemistry that the writers and, and Vince Gilligan said, let's, let's keep him around. And then they kept him around and then they kept him around and he was the last one standing. Well, it's interesting to me because they present it as a movie, although it is something you download and watch on uh, streaming at home. Uh, and that's kind of what I see where we're going. I was supposed to go to a screening of Maleficent on Monday. There was a tragic shooting in a parking lot next to the movie uh, theater, and uh, half of Silver Spring was closed down. And I just thought, you know, I'm not going to go. It's Maleficent 2. It's a sequel. It's Angelina Jolie with a couple of horns on her. Uh, I'm not going to fight the traffic to see that. So I stayed home and watched another episode of Succession. And you know what, Arch? If you, the ultimate legendary movie critic, is making those decisions, you know that, that um, you know, average folks are just, a lot of times they're probably going to say, you know, they'll look at that Maleficent movie and say, uh, I saw the first one, How instead of how wonderful, how redundant. <laughs> and they'll, you know, they'll probably say, and I might stay on my couch and watch the Breaking Bad thing, or uh, Irishman's coming on Netflix, or Dolomite, Dolomite, Eddie Murphy's coming on Netflix. So, like, it's, it's all those, and I know they did release El Camino in theaters the same day, but I know a bunch of hardcore Breaking Bad fans, myself included. I think it's one of the greatest, you know, shows of all time. But I was totally fine with just watching this. I didn't, I didn't feel any urgency to go pay at a movie theater to watch, the, even if they did colon a Breaking Bad movie on the thing, you know? Speaking of that, Dolomite was uh, released to theaters, and I don't even think it's at a D.C. theater. And I've looked and looked and looked. I can't find it, but in two or three random theaters, I think it might be over at the uh, Majestic in Silver Spring, but... It's hardly what you would call a release. I think it's it's in uh, maybe a half dozen theaters for an Eddie Murphy movie. And I can't wait until it comes on Netflix because I can't wait to see it. I hear it's just, uh, you know, over the moon. I, I'm with you. I can't wait to see it, too. It's, uh, you know, we, we, we keep praying for those Eddie Murphy comebacks because he was just one of the all-time hilarious guys. And, uh and this it looks like one of you know black exploitation spoofs uh, with you know like black Klansman kind of dabbling that a little last year, but um, I can't wait to see it. And but yeah, to, to your point, it's uh, I think a lot of these a lot of these Netflix releases that it's they're they're putting it in theater just in theaters as sort of lip service, you know, for for all the people that were crying foul Oscar season whether it should qualify or not. I think they're putting it out there in very limited cities just so it can qualify, but I guarantee you the majority of people are just going to hit play on their Netflix. They're not, you know, it's you're, it's weird that there's a Eddie Murphy movie and, you know, Breaking Bad. I mean, these were these are huge, huge. Uh, Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino, De Niro. These In the past, these would have been major releases, and now they're just putting in a couple cities in a couple, you know, art house theaters to qualify. And it, it's really, we're at a definite change in time. Well, every time I introduce you on this podcast, I always say, now one of my favorite guys, and you are one of my favorite guys because... You are so diverse. You're the entertainment of chief entertainment correspondent of WTOP. You've got a master in film history, and you teach at American University, and you are also a filmmaker. And let me tee up this uh, upcoming film, 88 Keys. Hmm, what's that? 
I've always um, tried to keep the filmmaking chops going ever since I got out of grad school. You know, actually, I met you at an awards ceremony many years ago because a film you made, and I think you won, too. Yeah, yeah, actually, I, I totally forgot about that. It was at the National Press Club, the TiVo Awards. That's where I first introduced myself to you. Well, we were both drunk that night. You're right. That was my master's thesis, Liberty Road. It, it, you know, I took that around the country to a couple of festivals and won some awards, and that it was great. I, I All this time, I've been doing the movie critic thing, feature-length screenplays. They've they've you know done some well in some, in some competitions, but none of them made yet. You know, so if anybody wants to you know fund one of them, have at it. I just love dabbling in filmmaking and getting the band back together and shooting shorts, and I think it can only help to, you know, inform the movie reviews, too. Hey, Jason, rumor is you have a GoFundMe site, right? Yes, the new one I'm doing, uh, you know, it's Halloween. I figured I'd do sort of a a ghost story here. Uh, It's called 88 Keys. Uh, There's a Kickstarter up on on my social media page. Um, I was inspired by, uh, I remember seeing an article, a very bizarre headline that said mysterious, or no, it said police baffled by mysterious piano. There's a photo of a baby grand piano in the middle of the woods, you know, changing leaves falling everywhere around it. And I thought, how the heck did it get there? And I, so I set out to write a little, I just wrote a little short film mystery. Um, and I would say it's sort of in the vein of, of vertigo. We have a retired, um, crime reporter and uh, he stumbles across this piano in the woods behind his house and he starts hearing the music while he's, you know, sleeping. And, um, and so he decides to do, come out of retirement for one last story and investigate. And it happens to be the piano looks identical to one that burnt down in a, in an unsolved arson case. So I'm trying to do a little ghost story a la Hitchcock's vertigo is what my inspiration is. So we're having fun with it. Hey, Jason, can you cast me as one of the trees in the forest? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're the tree and arch is the piano. (laughs) Where do we find that Kickstarter? If you go to Kickstarter, uh, dot com you can just search for 88 keys um I'll, i also have it up on um, all my social media pages on facebook and twitter and everything we know you're writing and directing it for free it does cost a little bit to hire crew and production costs and all that stuff so anything you guys can donate hey, you'll let us know when it, when you get it together absolutely we have till the end of we have until halloween the end of the month to to raise the funds and hoping to shoot uh probably by around january you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had Eduardo Sanchez on the podcast, who's a longtime friend of mine, and he uh, is the guy who invented the found video, the found footage thing for the Blair Witch Project, and they made it for $20,000 on their credit cards, and then they sold it. Yeah, made like $125 million or something like that on it. So I hope the same for you. They shot it up here in Burkittsville, which is just outside. It's in Frederick County. Yeah. And th- this weekend, uh, they're doing a training at the Weinberg Center uh, in Frederick, which is where I live now. So I've uh, I've uh, I've known Ed a couple years. And uh, yeah, talk about, that's still one of the most profitable movies ever, right? That could be your story. That could happen to you. You could be the next Eduardo Sanchez. <laughs> When you make that $125 million, uh, remember your friends, Arch and Lou. Yeah? Right. Well, I'm, I just enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, definitely, I'll always be reviewing the movies no matter what. I mean, I just think it's a lot of fun to to, to practice the craft and not just critique others all the time. <laughs> there, well said. There's our friend. He's our dear friend, Jason yeah. Fraley. He's critic, filmmaker. And film teacher, just to mention a few. Jason, hey, thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you at Middleburg. At the movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz comes to you courtesy Katz Podcasting.
with studios located in an underground bunker buried <laughs> deep beneath Bethesda, Maryland. This is the CATS podcasting system. So, Lewis, do we have an email address? We actually not only have one, mm. we have multiple mm. email addresses. First, let's start really? with the most important one. Yes. Arch at houndradio.com. And by the way, there's plenty of storage space on our Uh, servers for for your email because we've only received, I think, one or two since we've been doing these podcasts since March. So please feel free to reach out, arch at houndradio.com. I'm just going to keep making them up. (laughs) And then we have, of course, Lou, L-O-O, at houndradio.com and legendary uh, Washington DC yeah, radio voice for 45 own, years maybe in my own mind but I will mm. say I will say this though it's going to be a great fall with Hound Radio we are mm. teaming up with one of our with one of our favorite folks uh, Steve Fleischman and everybody over at Bethesda Bagels oh soon. we like Bethesda Bagels uh, soon we we're, do they play the Hound uh, all the time at both locations uh, that they have in in Montgomery County the one in downtown Bethesda and they just opened up Wildwood oh right oh, there on Old Georgetown right. Road oh, so uh, so cool. get your bagels there we're going to be going out to offices soon to uh, provide free bagel brunches for Hound Radio fans with uh, Bethesda Bagels. Does so, that include the offices of of the Cats podcasting system? <laughs> yes. I, maybe we can get you know, Steve to finagle us a dozen or two bagels. What, and some Kellen? schmear. <laughs> uh, he, he makes a good bagel, he does. They, they, they really yeah, do. They've been yeah. in business since the early 80s, and uh, God bless him, he's got, uh, I think, like five or six locations. So, so go Bethesda Bagels. And uh, lots of lots of things coming up also on Hound Ready. We got some more movie screenings in November oh, on the way. Really? I can't announce them yet, but we will have some more free movie oh, tickets good. for those. So definitely enjoy that. You and I will be going to the movies. Yes, we will. Good, I enjoy that. You're listening to At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. Now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> or lady and gentleman. Yes. It is time for one of my favorite features, and oh, maybe yours it? too. Really? It's Ask Arch. Uh, oh, yes. Ask yes. Arch, the podcast feature that lets you, the vast audience to our <laughs> podcast, read one listener, ask questions. <laughs> what do you got for us today? <laughs> Let uh, me put on my thinking cap. There you go. All right. Well, who have we heard from yeah, this we, week? Our first question actually comes from Carol Maloney. Oh, Carol Maloney. Yeah. Love Carol Maloney. Yeah, Carol lives where, some, somewhere in the three-digit area of the AM dial. <laughs> is that where she's living now? AM? What is AM? AM. She writes. Carol writes. That's morning radio, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Arch, yes. my, my husband loves suspenders. Oh, Carol's husband loves suspenders. He believes the person who invented them deserves an award. Oh, an award for the person who invented suspenders. What should we call the award for the person who invented suspenders? Well, that's easy, Carol. That would be the Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know where that one was going. Nobel Prize. Nobel Prize. Right. Now, Carol Maloney. I, I, can't, I, I can't believe that mm-hmm. uh, that we got an e, uh, a note here from my wife, Wendy Katz. Oh, Wendy wrote in? She, of course, lives in the penthouse yeah. <laughs> atop our Katz Podcasting headquarters here in beautiful Bethesda, Maryland. And, and, Wendy, oh, yeah. ri- and Wendy writes, mm-hmm. Arch, 
Mm-hmm. My best friend received the Employee of the Month Award at the CIA. Oh, her best friend works for the CIA mm-hmm. and got Employee of the Month? Yeah. yeah. I, I hear she made a great speech. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I missed it. Hmm. Uh, what would a, a super spy say when receiving the CIA Employee of the Month Award? I was uh, present for this, and really? she said, I wish I could tell you what this means to me. <laughs> But she's a spy and can't. If I do, I have to kill you, right? <laughs> I wish oh, I could gosh. tell you what this means to me. And uh, finally, we uh, looks like we got another uh, uh, thing from Latanya. All women today. All ladies. All women. Latanya Horn of Arlington. Ah, uh, Latanya Horn. I remember Latanya mm-hmm. Horn. I used to work with she was a produ- is a producer at News Channel 8. Oh, really? Very yes. cool. Well, yes. Latanya yes. writes in and says, Arch, mm-hmm. I hear they gave an award Oh, there's a theme to these questions. Yes, they're like all awards, about awards. awards. Yeah, awards. And it's not even yeah. award season. No. I hear they gave an award to a scarecrow. They gave an award to a scarecrow. Why on earth would they do that? Well, that's because he's outstanding in his field. <laughs> Okay. But a bing. You try the veal, you'll love it. That, that's our <laughs> podcast. Hey, I'm I'm on the way to the uh, Middleburg Film Festival and I'll see Jason there and I think I'll see Ann Hornaday and I'll have a report next week and I'm looking forward to a lot of big movies there and I think uh when I come back I'll have a pretty good idea what the Oscar race is going to be. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I was down in Texas. I drove to Texas to my hometown of San Antonio. San Antonio. Where it was just hot as hell. In October, it was just, it was pushing 100 degrees. I was dizzy when I'd go outside. It was just hot as blazes, but Mm. I think it's cooling off now. So coming back, and I drove, so I drove the interstates uh, by myself on Sirius. They did a a special on the 50th anniversary of the song, Is That All There Is? Do you remember that? Oh, Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee recorded it in 1969. And the interesting it was written by uh, Lieber and Stoller, who uh, wrote all these iconic rock and roll songs they wrote hound dog and kansas city but uh one of their wives was a student of um thomas mann and he had written a um a uh, a treatise on um disillusionment hmm. and that's what is all there is the, is that all there is is about it had been recorded a couple of times before Peggy Lee recorded it. Oh, I, I thought she was the original No, singer. a couple of other recordings, and they huh. went nowhere. And uh, she won a Grammy for it. And you, it's so in 1969, that was when Janis Joplin and the really hard rock was mm-hmm. uh, taking over. FM rock was starting. Right. And uh, this, this is the song that just uh, came from out of nowhere. And... I I just think they don't make them like this anymore. So uh, I think it's only fitting that we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Is That All There Is? And by the way, that's all there is. I remember when I was a little girl, our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up in his arms and raced to the burning building out of the pavement. 
And I stood there, shivering in my pajamas and watched the whole world go up in flames. And when it was all over, I said to myself, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all there is. And when I was 12 years old, my daddy took me to the circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears, and a beautiful lady in pink tights flew high above our heads. And as I sat there watching, I had the feeling that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was all over, I said to myself, Is that all there is to the circus? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all. And then I fell in love with the most wonderful boy in the world. We'd take long walks down by the river or just sit for hours gazing into each other's eyes. We were so very much in love. And then one day he went away and I thought I'd die, but I didn't. And when I didn't, I said to myself, is that all there is to love? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep... I know what you must be saying to yourselves. If that's the way she feels about it, why doesn't she just end it all? Oh no, not me. I'm not ready for that final disappointment because I know just as well as I'm standing here talking to you that when that final moment comes and I'm breathing my last breath I'll be saying to myself Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is Break out the booze and have a ball If that's all there is 
the movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands comes to you by way of the Katz podcasting system. Katz, America's first name in Broadway musicals, delicatessens, and podcasting.